Hello, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Intersection Podcast. As always, my name is Henry Sule. In this episode, Benita Manzengo shares her journey traveling from her home country, Congo, and beginning her life as an international student in high school. In addition, she tells the story of how her journey not only gave her the opportunity to travel across borders, but outside of her comfort zone as she quickly picked up a new language, adapted to a new culture, and learned about herself and her country. You're going to want to listen in for this one. If you haven't already and you're a constant listener, first off, thank you for showing up. And secondly, secondly, make sure you're following the podcast, that you have your notifications on, and that you're leaving feedback and a rating. All the information and feedback I get helps me grow and tailor the content to be more helpful and specific. I appreciate any and all advice, comments, and tips you have. Thank you again for listening, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Intersection Podcast. Today I am joined by Benita Manzengo. Benita, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hello everybody. My name is Benita Manzengo. I am from the Democratic Republic of Congo. I am an international student at Augustana University. I am a government and art major. Nice. It's lovely to have you, Benita. Thank you. Yeah. I guess the first question that pops to mind for people who might just hear government and art that's not your traditional major pairing Mm -hmm. so how did you pick those two majors and why so when i first got to college i came in as a government and psychology double major and the psychology major was was great it was fun but i realized a little bit into my freshman year that i was not very happy i was very depressed and although the government side of it was very kind of targeted toward my community, the Congolese community back home, I needed to do something for myself, something that I generally always enjoyed and that I always loved. And I've been drawing my whole life. And you know, there was a way for me to kind of get away from the stereotype that art, it's very like when you come as an international student, that's like, yeah art is that thing you know that you don't do doesn't make a lot of money you stay me. away from it <laughs> stay away from <laughs> like it <laughs> so i really wanted to do that and, and just enjoy myself mm-hmm. and do something that i genuinely loved and something that what didn't feel so much like a burden not that the government does but there'll be more of an enjoyable yeah thing, so. something a little light-hearted for you to, to enjoy yeah yeah nice has has it been that way so far it has. It has. I really enjoy the art classes I've had so far. It's very chill, for lack of better words. <laughs> <laughs> for lack of better words. And it's just like music in the background, just making art, you know, drawing models and stuff like that. It's very relaxing. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's a class you go to to forget and just distress. So it doesn't feel as much of a, you know, after day of doing government and like <laughs> intellectually stimulating yourself, it's good. And generally, my drawing classes are at the end of the day, so it's a good way to just kind of relax and get into like a more relaxed mood for the day. So nice. Yeah. I know. I when I give tours, working as a student ambassador for the admissions office, I always tell people when you do have a schedule, and that's again the beauty of a liberal arts education is when you do have like a thick schedule, like let's say you're a biochem major and you're taking biology, chemistry, and physics mm-hmm. classes, 
jeez. <laughs> just for starters. Maybe you want that one class where it's just an art class and you can just, like you said, just chill, have some music in the background, just de-stress. Something for yourself. It's a little therapeutic. I would like it to be on the other side of this someday. <laughs> be interviewed, but anyway. Yeah, thank you for sharing. So, I guess your experience coming from Congo to the United mm-hmm. States, you didn't come for college. When did you come and why did you come? So... 2018, <laughs> my dad got another job in Gabon, Libreville, another African, Central African country, for those who don't know. <laughs> and <laughs> and he, we got the job there, so we were already moving from home. And then getting there, we had an opportunity to study anywhere and have a scholarship to study. There and my dad really wanted us to go to the US mm-hmm. and it was very rushed. Usually students have this very lifelong project where they work toward going to the US. Mm-hmm. Mine and my students were was very rushed. <laughs> <laughs> we just were like, Oh, we can like let's do it. And I bro, pack your bags. Yeah, so. yeah. He was very like that. So he was on a long trip with my mother in South Africa and they came back, they were like, Well, we're leaving. <laughs> so we went to Gabon and we started doing all the work to get to the U.S. for high school. So I was a junior in high school at the time. I had finished junior year of high school. And so I was going to come here for high school, essentially. And my dad thought that was the best opportunity to get that education. And mm-hmm. it was the best way to start. He was like, he's so an opportunity and he and he took it and that was a lot of sacrifice for him as a parent for him and my mother to be able to just let us go so early but me and my brothers we, we came here like mm. four years ago and it was it's been a wonderful journey it's been a lot of learning a lot of growth and a lot of you know a lot of growth <laughs> how many siblings do you have in total i have four siblings so at the time, my sister stayed back. She was doing med school. So she stayed back in Congo to finish med school. And my younger sister was too young to come here. My, my mother, she was like, oh, my kids are leaving. I want to hold on to this one, mm-hmm. this one old, younger, youngest child. And my um, brothers and I were kind of the middle children. <laughs> so like we, we were like, we were ready to go. So... So we just we just left. It was it was it was long. Actually, the I remember right now on the plane, I was so stressed because and I cried a little bit on the plane. Although when I left initially, I was like, you know, bye. <laughs> like I'm going to this new place. I was excited, you know, for the new experience because I've been at the same spot for a while. So it was fun to get to a new place and just. And just be new, you know. I felt very old <laughs> at that spot, but you know, being new and experiencing new things. And so, on the process to getting here, you have to know that I didn't speak English, so I just knew kind of songs in English and <laughs> stuff like that. But I'd never very spoken English. Um, I wasn't a fluent speaker. And so before getting here, we had to have an interview of some sort with the like international program director of that high school. Mm-hmm. And so my dad tried to avoid it for a while <laughs> because, <laughs> because he knew we didn't speak English. He really wanted us to go. Uh, we didn't speak English as well. Usually my younger brother, he was younger. He was like 14 years old. I was 16 at the time. And we were like, ah. 
but we we had to do it anyway so the day before even the day of the trip we got on the phone with him with the Mr. Plugger, shout out to him. He's amazing. We got on the phone with him and we talked and I just, I don't know. I, I just did it. I didn't know how it went. I just made the effort to understand what I could understand. Things that sounded like French, you know, like because English and French <laughs> have like similar words. Yeah. And I just tried my best to understand those words and, you know, and make up some things, you know, like say all the words that I knew in English. <laughs> like he understand that I can, he like, Guess that I, you know, speak English. Yeah. And then later that day, he was putting an email to my dad to be to give him the results, kind of, of our interview. And he told my dad that, you know, like we should learn English first before coming, which it was the day of the trip. And my dad didn't tell us that. And I swear, my dad did not tell us that because he didn't want to worry us. Mm-hmm. And so in his mind, he was like he wanted to get us there too see what it's like and be encouraged to work toward um toward you know getting to the u.s but but also he knew that like he's a strong christian believer so he knew if god had gotten us there he would get you further got us further so but you know i saw the email and it was it was very stressful to see that you know as a child to see that's like you're going anyway your dad didn't tell you anything and you had to act like he didn't know that you were gonna go somewhere and still like do your schooling and stuff and but then with that came the stress of like if i'm there i better like impress the shit out of these people and just make sure that like i show that i could do it and even as somebody didn't speak english as well so on the plane i was just very stressed about first of all it's expensive all the money (laughs) that had gotten us there but also stressed about all the work that i had to do and i think that initial kind of rejection amplified my imposter syndrome when i got to the high school yeah so but then we got there and and i remember I got there and I we had to shadow students to just kind of be in the same classes as that student was in and see what it's like. And so I was shadowing that student and every time I had the chance I would speak in English with, with a teacher or a student, just like have control enough of the conversation that I knew what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. And not like a random thing that like I wouldn't understand. I wanted to like show them that I could speak. And so I talked to people and I was like, hey, how are you? Just like basic stuff. <laughs> and then that night, the it was a Friday night, the Mr. Plugger came to the hotel we were in. I remember it so clearly and he was like, I want to talk to Benita first. And he talked to me, he was like, you know, we, me and the other teachers talked and we decided that, you know, you should stay. <laughs> and <laughs> so stay, we're going to work on a curriculum so that, like, you do learn English at the same time. And, but like, I couldn't get my brother because he was very young, but also he just had, a, he didn't have as much of an exposure to English that I, that I had, unfortunately. So he went to Cleveland in a host family to learn English. So I stayed in Watertown alone and he went there alone. And I'm sure I would love to hear like his experience there, like from a podcast standpoint. He had fun, apparently. But <laughs> I, I stayed in Watertown and it, was, it started from there. Wow. First off, respect to your dad for just like carrying you guys and be like, well, you say no, we'll just take you on. But He's a man of faith. <laughs> <laughs> and I respect that. And to you too for 
like taking initiative and being like, I'm here. My dad brought me here. You saw the email, this by that. That would have been like a perfect opportunity to be like, oh, they don't want me. Yeah. What's the point? And yet mm-hmm. you persevered. And yeah. I think that's something <clears throat> that is the reason that you are here on the podcast today. And I think I just wanted to capture the unique and powerful and inspirational experiences of international students. And I think yours is definitely one. Mm-hmm. And I've heard this story. So thank you for sharing. And then you ended up in Watertown, South Dakota. That's like a pretty obscure place. Like it's <laughs> obscure, obscure. And then <clears throat> and then you got to your undergrad and you decided to go to college and you said, you know what, I'll do it again. I'll stay here for another four years <laughs> because I love it so much. So what was that process <laughs> like, you know, going being there what was your experience first in watertown as an international student in those years where you were first picking up english and then after that picking an undergrad university and why you decided to stay so it's a two-part question okay so i remember my first day of class class no shadowing where i had like a few classes and a math class at the end of the day and it was very challenging and hard because I not only had to understand the course because that's my biology and stuff like that I also had to understand the language mm-hmm. so it was like a two-part type of understanding like I had to translate the at the beginning when I was learning English when I received the sentence I translated it in French in my mind mm-hmm. each word took so long and then I would like reply so having to do that process in my mind in class all the time, and then on, and then after translating, I had to understand what they were talking about. Yeah. Because at the end of that first day, I had a headache. I was like, <laughs> Oh my god, am I gonna make this? I'm gonna, am I gonna make it? And it was, it was very challenging. But you know, we have technology, Google Translate, <laughs> translation. But don't use that. Use Deepal Translate Translator. That's better. This is not an ad, though. <laughs> it is but it's more helpful to translate things with that but you know it's really helped me kind of go through that process of like learning and thankfully I also had a ESL class or English as a second language class with <laughs> one of the most amazing teachers and I got to kind of learn English and she helped me through with my assignments and things like that to like she didn't speak she spoke English so she just we had that struggle of that like I would, I would want to ask her something in French, but she doesn't understand French because mm-hmm. she's like, in, she speaks English. It was just this very, of her really trying to explain it differently for me to understand it. So it was very helpful to, to have that. So socially, as an international student, first of all, I was, I'm an intro, I'm introverted, so I was very shy, and also it didn't help to have that little diversity on the campus. So I live the campus so I it was boarding school and there's just two black girls and we didn't get along particularly well but it felt like we had to stick together because we were the only two the only black girls on campus yeah and also learning English and doing all that I just felt like I didn't fit into the groups that were already formed because as a boarding school and people who come there freshman year they've already formed kind of strong relations relationships and it was hard for me to kind of insert myself in those in those groups understanding that I 
first of all, did not relate to anything that they'd watched. Mm. I watched High School Musical when I <laughs> when I met Henry. So this is, this is telling. I I just had very little things to relate to. You know, there's like wide, very like smaller. You know, communities. Water town is very small, and just very different experiences. So I didn't have any friends like that until until I got to college. Really, so. I, I was very, very, very lonely. But, however, I got a chance to have very amazing host parents who kind of helped me navigate the, the US and also learn English. The decision to get to, again to stay in South Dakota, honestly, I didn't want to stay here. I wanted to go to like a warmer state, obviously, because it's very cold. But I ended up staying here because I met Ben Iverson and he went to my to my high school. He came to my high school and he... Like who's Ben Iverson? Ben Iverson is the director of the international programs office at Augustana University. Pretty yeah. amazing guy. And he came to Augie and I mean to GPL, my, my high school in Town, and he told me about the government program at Augustana, the Washington semester. So he really sold it for me. And Mr. Brugger that we talked about earlier was like, you have to talk to, to this guy, you know, that's a pretty good school and I think you would like it. So I did, and with a friend of mine, we scheduled a visit to Augustana on January 10th, I think, 2019. I remember the date. <laughs> <laughs> and it was very, it was cold, and we were with my friend's mother and him, and we visited the school and reflected. It, was, it felt like a very warm community, and I just could see myself here. I applied, and I started talking with Wade. And he has the most amazing admissions counselor ever. So he really sold it, sold Augustana for me because he really cared and everything like that. So I was like, maybe I'll stay. In addition to that, I also have two younger siblings in Watertown in the same high school. So I wanted to stay close enough to still, you know, be kind of that sister and also like family for them and help them navigate Watertown because I'd been there. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. Nice. I think it was really as Wade. It's funny that Wade was even to, able to even get you as well, because he <laughs> he gets all these kids who from thousands of miles away. But he's also like looking here, yeah. And it was like hearing you talk now. I can't even imagine a point when when you weren't able to speak English or you were speaking French, because just because like you're so fluent and good with it right now. And <laughs> even when you write, it's it's phenomenal just to read your poetry and because oh. that is something you do you write your own pieces and it's 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 one of the ways you express yourself and it's also a phenomenal way that you express yourself thank you since coming to augie you kind of mentioned this when you talked about working hard to show that you could speak english you were doing it for your father and because so much had gone into this process mm -hmm. and everything you've told so far has taught has given insight to how challenging and intense the process was for you to not just get into this country but to kind of work your way into a position where you were quote-unquote accepted into the community and the academic world so one something I wanted to talk about was this idea of the burden of education and like when you come in as an international student or even maybe just as a regular student there's so much that for domestic students, mm -hmm. like you're doing this because you want to get a job in the future and you want to have job security and you want to be able to take care of yourself and your family. 
But for an international student, there's like so much that goes with that as well, like being deported, CPT, OPT. If you don't know what that is, that is kind of the, it's a program that allows international students to work because we can't traditionally work on right off the bat, just going in and find a job and work for it. But there's a lot that goes into being an international student and the weight that comes with that. So I guess it's a very broad question, but what has been your experience with that? Is there Mm -hmm. something you can point to or share? Yeah, so when it comes to CPT and OPT and the work side of it, especially in college, and the, the burden of that education is was made a little easier in college, especially being around people, the international programs of it that makes you that makes it so much attainable to do those things. I have siblings in other universities, and it's so much harder for them to, you know, get a security, social security number and things like that to do all that work. But uh, Augustana really made it so much easier and accessible for me. That's when I got here, seeing the people that that were older that were doing those things, you know, who were doing those things and kind of working hard toward, you know, making their communities better, but also working on their own education and like future was very really motivated me to feel like everything was possible. So although it, it 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 is much challenging, I felt very empowered by the people who came before me, the other international students who were already doing such a great job. So it's it's very important to be around international students that have that have walked those that kind of same path and that have gone for that and see and be inspired by them because it makes it makes it it, it makes you feel like you can do it too. Yeah. And that was very inspirational. Especially like Tyree, it was just so good to see her do all the things that she was doing for like for herself, like all the competitions and all that. But also in the community, it just and all and all the work she was doing, it was just just made it like I can do it too. You know, it didn't. I didn't feel as much of a I'm alone in this type of feeling but also from my perspective when I got here there's the the, the aspects of education that you have to you know bring back home and all that and you know be go back home and make a change and make a difference and Mm -hmm. you know bring that education make sure that's like that it's valuable that you went there for a reason It, 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 it is a burden but I think it's so to me it's very much inspirational it's a motivation mm-hmm. to work because I think coming from Congo and understanding the history and, and the all the challenges that Congo faces as a country mm-hmm. it's being here has that's that's my drive being here has only motivated me to work hard to be able to make that difference yeah it's um, it's not so much of a burden to me to an opportunity to you know, like the way I put it, take revenge on history because of how history has been so. It's you know Leopold and all that, all the stuff and the wars. Just be able to go back and put our con- work with people to put our country on a trajectory that it deserves to be on, because of everything, the beauty of the people that are there, the talents that we have, the raw talents. Oh my God, Congolese people are so talented. And the you know natural resources we all know that Congo is very rich, and I think I've always believed that we're meant to be a great nation, 
and have taken vengeance on that history and make it put in the trajectory that it's supposed to be in and not the trajectory that history had made had put it on. Mm-hmm. So to me that burden is very much a motivation. Sometimes I, I do stray away from that, but I I like talking about that to remind me why I'm here and what I'm doing. What I decided to be a government major and why I'm doing this work in the first place is to be able to go back and and, you know, inspire and make that change. So Yeah. And it's this is something we have talked about in the different and other conversations. It's for one, you mentioned taking revenge on history. The fact that in schools, there's a different narrative that's taught. I know when I learned history, it was through colonization lens. And very little of it was actually what existed before that period. And even that was a little brushed over. So when you mentioned going back, it's like, one, understanding what actually happened. And then when being empowered enough to take the knowledge you do have now and that mm-hmm. wider perspective because now you're not just in the in your country experiencing it you go outside and you have an outside lens of yeah, it sure. and for us it's been like we have the opportunity to meet mm-hmm. with other african students yeah. hear about their experiences and be like okay this is what's going on in different places and that's something i can definitely say has been one of the benefits for me about being here and then you can go back with all that and yeah. share it and even if it doesn't amount to, I don't know, like a phenomenal experience, life-changing or country, nation-changing experience, it's something that people are able to take away that knowledge and understanding mm-hmm. of different narrative we can tell. Or yeah, we can take sure. this experience or this thing that's going on and apply it to our country and be unique and appreciate who we are. I appreciate who we are for sure. And I like I liked when you say what when you mentioned that you know looking at the country from an outside perspective, there's this architect and she says you never know, you never you never know home until you leave home. You never know that it's home until you leave it. And there is that I've I grew up around people that were very like oh my god I can't wait to go to the west and like go to the United States and whatever. And when I and I was, and I was, it was one that I was like, oh my God, you know, I'm going to that spot. But when I left home, I just realized that it does create this empty spot in you. I'm like, because that, 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 that's what you know, that's who you are, you know, and you just get to this new place and you just don't know what it feels like. You don't know, you don't know home until you leave it because then you, you miss it. You don't have that sense of home and belonging to a spot. A place you have to fit in instead of just naturally belong to that spot, mm-hmm. and yeah, and I think I think that was a good good moment. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned an architect and not knowing home until you leave home. Yeah. Something you've mentioned in again in other conversations that you want to go into our African architecture, oh, and yeah. that's why one of the reasons why you picked both the government and an arts mm-hmm. major. The government understand it and the arts uh, actually put it into practice. So, what does that look like for you? How did you come into that realization that this is what you wanted to go into? And so, Black Panther, first of all, <laughs> <laughs> like the, the Black Panther movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The <laughs> the design and everything in the buildings, but no, but really, really was more of a. I realized that as we. As we changed president, there was this narrative of modernization, making our country modern. Congo? Yeah, Congo. And 
um, the way they were taking to make it modern was like building skyscrapers, like make it look very Western. And they had that Western standard of what modern looked like and what better, I guess, looked like, you know, for us. And I, and I thought that it was just so... I, I realized that it was just so, so not original, <laughs> for lack of a better word. It was, there were so many places that have that, all those skyscrapers and all that. Like, what can we do that's true to our identity, to, to our culture, to, to our history, that keeps us, well, as we look around, not look out to the West so much, but look inward to who we've always been, to our art, to our architecture, and what to our, to our history and I think that process of looking inward will create that self-appreciation as well but also make it much more original and beautiful you know and unique to build to make buildings that reflect our story and reflect our, our struggles and reflect who we are as a people and that desire started from a project I was doing on slavery in high school and my we had a English literature and we were reading a passage on slavery and students had a bunch of questions about it and I was the only black girl in the class obviously people were like looking at me <laughs> <laughs> and the teacher didn't have as many answers to those questions that I would like her to to have and I was like you know what I, I will you know make a presentation that answers all of those questions and so I started working on a presentation it was the beautiful experience to just dive into that history and those, all that research. And I came across a video that was talking about a building, I think in the Caribbean, that kind of traces back the history of slavery and that's in that country, in that Caribbean country. Though I can't remember which one it was really. But I, the, the girl, the host of the podcast was talking about how she was disappointed of the way the history was represented, the building and everything, the way it wasn't true to the resilience of African people and the and the strength of the people that, that came, that got there. And and she was like, you know, obviously it was funny about the French government. So <laughs> so it was it was funny it was it was funny but also to me I I realized that we needed to do it for ourselves but also tell a story with our buildings but from our own perspective and be able to tell the history of slavery but like from all the from the resilience and the strength and the resistance that happened during those time and not have this very westernized version of, of that and I think art plays a huge role in telling that story differently and making a difference in societies. So nice. And something that I recalled when you said that is the African American Museum in Washington D C and like you walk down I think it's I'm not sure the name of the street or area, National <laughs> Mall. I could be yeah, wrong. Yeah, I think but it's there are different all of the museums, mm. there's the National Art Gallery and all these museums and they more or less look the same style. Yeah. And then you have the African American Museum that I think was opened up during Obama's administration or at the end of it. And it's this tall I don't even know how to describe it because it's so <laughs> different and it's so unique. And oh, it's just it like, makes a statement. Yeah, it's like, this is different and 
you know that it's different from the way it yeah. looks, the style, the aesthetic. And it's kind of, it's amongst those buildings, but it's a little way off the side in its own special kind of mm-hmm. display. And I just thought that was really cool. And the prospector idea that that could be something that could be done with the entirety of African culture on the African continent. Yeah, for sure. That's just something I think I'm excited about. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think you've done, you've shared a lot of important notes and points so far. Um, I'll give you an opportunity if you have any final lasting comments, advice, kind of whatever you want to say mm-hmm. regarding everything you've said so far, or it can be completely new. Yeah, so if you're an international student and you're listening to this, probably thinking, oh my gosh, she's so cool. But it's it sounds very um, beautiful and good and like it comes in, in this very decoded box, but it's a whole process to get here, to get to making that impact and, you know, impacting your fellow students and getting to those two leading communities. It's a, it's a, it's a whole process. It's a challenge. You have to, to find yourself and learn to love yourself and do things in spite of the fear and, and of the insecurities and of the imposter syndrome that comes with being an international student, not being able to speak the language as well. And if you're an international student, just don't be afraid of the journey because the journey is what is what it will get you to being that beautiful person, you know, that motivated person, that driven person. And it's not always gonna be so shiny and beautiful. And it's gonna, you know, it's gonna take days where you have to drag yourself out of bed, but drag yourself out of bed anyway and show up. And you know, showing up is gonna look different every day but show up anyway and do the work and get to where you want to get at and become that the person you want to you want to become and it's a process it's a, an ending process but you know enjoy the journey and see you hopefully on the other side <laughs> <laughs> thank you benita of course that's been phenomenal yeah thank you